0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of my uh, podcast. And as everyone knows, um, I'm delighted to uh, have uh, my many different guests and uh, hello if you're watching on uh, on YouTube. And today is no different in terms of having um, an awesome guest on. Today we have the brilliant uh, Dominic Ayres, uh, marketing lead uh, with Eversheds. And uh, Dominic is now a published author. I need to have a fanfare kind of uh, thing going on. Um, don't know why I did that, that's the first time I've ever done that, that's not embarrassing. Uh, he has written the book, How to Advance Your Career in Performance professional services marketing Um, now those of you that know me know my career spans 10 plus years within professional services across marketing and bd Uh, dominic is no difference to me although he's uh, way above my pay grade in terms of intellect because he is an author and i'm not dominic an absolute pleasure to uh, have you here i always kind of start off with the the kind of the the who the what the why the how the when the where um (laughs) let's let's start there and let's see where this uh takes us
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Alex. I've uh, always been a big fan of the show on on Spotify, on my uh, school run commutes, particularly last year in the, the pandemic. So, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I never set out to, to write this book. And it's something that actually I always hoped that someone would beat me to it. And uh, Alex, alongside other experts, have contributed to this book. I've, you know, as part of putting together a book, I wanted to reach out to CMOs, director of BDs and experts across the professional service industry because in my own career journey I was always curious as to you know what skills what behaviors what things will help you be a success in your career um, so similar to yourself Alex I've only ever worked for law firms um, I fell into this career uh, I would have thought I would have taken on a marketing role in a far more interesting organization like a football club um, but it wasn't until I did a placement year at DLA Piper, and um, I was just really fascinated with the opportunity to work in such a business that is working with sophisticated clients, Um, it it kind of dictates what's happening in the economy, um, and the opportunity in the marketing team to do really challenging marketing, um, and kind of client development, and I think, you know, on your kind of marketing renaissance, what's really, really fascinating is the renaissance period's never really kind of had a rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, it continually evolved as individuals or, you know, the, the world evolved with it. And I think in writing the book, although I looked for this book 10 years ago, it probably would be a very different book to, to what it is now. And I think um, what's really clear is none of us had a rule book when we worked in the industry. And I, I was really keen to start to create and kind of commoditize what are some of the things you need to be doing in your role. Um, as a marketing function, and I think that is continually changing. And I think we've talked at length around, you know, particularly the last 12 months, how we are writing that rule book, kind of like the Renaissance experience, You know, things such as webinars, how we work from home, how we interact with clients. Um, we could probably do a whole session on the MetaVerse, which I know you, you've recently invested in a headset. I, I mean, that's that's an area that I've had five clients manufacturing clients talk to me about over the last you know uh last week alone what does that mean for their business and we're not even thinking about that yet and legal um i wonder what your thoughts are with with your vr headset yet. <laughs>
0: well before we before we get kind of sidetracked into the into the uh, into the metaverse i think you know a um i think it's brilliant that you you've, you've written the book because again if i reflect on my career i kind of fell into professional services uh, as well, starting out at a PwC before moving into, uh, into legal with Berman Layton Paisner, as was, and then commercial real estate with Jones Lang Lang And you're right, there wasn't a rule book per se or a guide in terms of this is this is how you you do things um, in a BD and marketing capacity. Because I always say to people, unless you've worked in professional services, it's very hard to explain uh, the the complexity the nuances uh, the politics should i should i suggest uh, that happens within professional services because fundamentally depending on how many partners you have in the in the partnership they are they are a business in in their own in their own right with their own agendas their own vision their own goals their own personalities so it's very unlike Dara say, in a corporate where you have that pyramid the person at the top's in charge and then the rules are the rules and those are dissipated through to the through to the the business, and if I recall, on the very first piece of advice I was given at PwC by the then, uh, the then London uh, chairman, you know, he said to me, there are two things I want you to do or not want you to do within the first twelve months: don't piss off my partners and don't piss off the secretaries or the EAs, because if you do that, then we have a problem. If you don't do that, <laughs> you'll be kind of playing, playing sailings. So what? Why do we? Why do we feel that they're? It's just there are so many different, I guess, routes to market, if you will, internally within a professional service firm um, to marketing and or BD.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what's really interesting, is you say, you know, most of us that have studied a marketing degree, such as myself, is, you know, we did the seven P's, mm-hmm. the product. In a B2B business, such as a professional service firm, the partner is that product on the mm-hmm. shelf. Um, and each product is very unique from the other the next partner. So it means that you know there's endless possibilities as to how you customize that and particularly where the market's moving to and in any industry from a marketing perspective, how the customer experience and the personalization, every customer wants a unique you know, product. So they want it mm-hmm. to be fit for their purposes. And, and that leads endless opportunities, you know, for you as the marketeer. Um, and to your point around you know, stakeholder management and you know, i think we all ring you know that kind of tree about don't piss people off um the challenge we have now and you know kind of the renaissance and kind of that rise as us as the marketeer is how we have more authority we turn to more in the organization for growth you know particularly in the pandemic the marketing function um will, when the most heavily utilized you know if we look at kind of a law firm and, and part of that is we are seen as the experts in you know, client development in terms of how do we uh, market the firm? How do we talk mm-hmm. to to clients? And that's really interesting because that's the only power we have in the organization. So the partners we talk of, they own the business. They yeah. they have that hierarchy authority. If they tell us to do something, rightly or wrongly, we, we generally will say yes to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we ask them to do something, we have no authority. We have no absolute power unless we can speak to their motivations. Mm But um, one of the things I took away from recently doing an MBA was something called domain power and domain expertise. And if we're seen as the expert, whether it's something, you know, digital marketing, how do we put on a client event? How do we write um, content? How do we create that unique experience? Our partners will buy into what we can do and how we can be useful. And that will kind of generate our rise in the organization. So it's something that, I talk a lot in the book is, you know, we should each each year think about what skills do we need to learn about? What things do we need to know? Um, one of the things I did as part of writing the book was ask people like you, what should I buy this Christmas that I should be reading on my nightstand to prepare me for the year ahead? And you, I think you gave me three recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, so my wife was really concerned when I asked for 10 books for Christmas. It was a really boring Christmas present. But, you know, I think that shows that if I don't read those things and I don't invest in myself, This is something I touch quite a lot in the book. Is how do you invest in yourself Mm -hmm. and upskill yourself? In the same way that lawyers have to learn new legislation, new laws, the marketing team have that responsibility also to learn those things that then they position their firm for the future.
0: You raise a really interesting point, which I want to I want to come to because I have a. uh... A view on that, should we say, having spent the last uh, five years or so as an independent consultant, kind of the outsider coming uh, coming in. But before we we kind of go there and maybe kind of build on this theme around the um, uh, the Renaissance. Uh, for anybody listening, either in role or thinking about moving into role within you know a mar- a, the marketing or BD function within uh, with a law firm within professional services more broadly, because I do feel that you know what you what you talk about is relevant in accounting and we also yep. relevant in in commercial real estate because they're very similar they're nuanced but very similar beasts. What are the what are the kind of the the, the main themes that run through your your book that anybody's listening um, can kind of get a sense? Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I need to get the books obviously to to, to build on that.
1: Sure. So I think um, one of the, the key themes, and it's something that actually the book actually set out to write in the first place. It didn't plan to be a career book. Mm-hmm. One of the key things I kind of seen quite a lot of, particularly execs and those junior professionals coming in, was that kind of strategic thinking. And what I mean by that is, how do you think about what you're doing? And you know, if we go back to that Renaissance theme, mm-hmm. most of the people when they think about the Renaissance, they think of the artists, you know, Michelangelo. Uh, da Vinci and, those, and, and what was really clear about those is they were seen as experts in art and design and sometimes the marketing team can get lost in that kind of internal brand for uh, the partners, the partners will say jazz at my documents <laughs> or oh, could you proofread this 200 page for leadership report, but actually what those kind of you know famous people in time i'm not comparing us conventional marketers to those famous people because that sounds egotistical but um i'll just go along with the theme they were also scientists they would actually think about how what i do in my role impacts society or impacts the firm if we take that context so whenever we think about when we market things and actually how do we identify trends that our clients are happening that then helps our firm position that's something we need to do in our role so the book Uh, Has a whole chapter focusing on that big picture thinking. How do you become more client facing? You know, that's something I've always found I've done the best marketing if I have access to the client. Yeah, and before I launch anything, I'll talk to the client and say, Will you actually find this useful? Am I wasting my time? Is this being done in a vacuum? (laughs) And I never had the confidence in early in my career to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think now I encourage more junior people to do to get as much access, you know, build your connections with the end audience, because then you know what the client wants. Whereas traditionally, the partner would tell you what you need to be doing. So I think, you know, that's a key theme is how do you think more strategically and slow down and read the game and think about what you do actually contributes to your firm. Um, I think the other bit is the team elements. So I talk quite a lot about working as a team. The marketing function, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. You know, we work in silos, we don't seek to understand outside of that's not my job. Yeah. We don't collaborate. But you know, if we look at the last 12 months, what was really successful in the pandemic was a lot of firms refocused what they were doing as a team and the team came together and won together. You know, we had one focus campaign, it was COVID. Um, and we were the most efficient we had ever been. You know, everyone worked together, um, everyone did a team effort, you seen whenever people were struggling. If we were to operate like that for anything. anything would be achievable and we'd be a lot more in tune and responsive to our client needs so that team element and that stuff and I guess something that never changes but it you know it's key to us doing the role is how do you manage the stakeholders how do you actually work with them and I think that's really important I take myself for instance I work within a large industrial group where I have 100 plus partners Mm -hmm. any of those are a stakeholder yeah um so how do you manage their needs against the kind of wider strategy? And and this is something that I always felt like you needed to be senior in a role to have that confidence to manage people. But actually, there's a lot of things you can do, such as how you pilot ideas. How do you get that buy-in or champions? Into that. So that's something I talk quite a lot with. And you asked for free, so I'm going to cheat here. But the one thing that the book turned into was how do you proactively manage your career? And that's the main kind of last chapter is how do you reflect on where you are in your career are you happy are you being pushed are you achieving what you want and that's the thing I think I drifted through my career quite a bit when I was in the early stages and I just went where the firm went and and if there was a promotion I would I would achieve it if there was a move to another firm I'd achieve it but I never really sat down and thought does anyone know me outside of my firm am I building my brand uh am I am I aware of what the next step is And going back to that skill gap, you know, do I know what things I need to learn and build in my career? So I think there are a few things that I took away from writing the book and reflecting on in my own career. But actually, I thought that was something that came through when I spoke to uh, yourself included and others that people do really well in their career. They kind of got those elements and and things to focus on.
0: There's a lot there that I want to kind of build on. I think that um, if we go back to your point around being client facing, which I agree I think is absolutely key. Now, we know that's not that, still not that prevalent in the in the legal sector. Um, it's getting better if I reflect way back when I was looking like, was moving out of recruitment, so going 10 plus years ago. And one of the reasons I joined, I interviewed a few firms, one of the reasons I joined Berman Layton Pays and a way back when, reporting into um, Dominic de Maravellez, and ultimately Ash, Ash Coleman Smith, was fundamentally, it was client facing. And they said, we want you in front of our clients. And the partnership had bought into um, into that, whereas other firms, it was no. This is a very inward facing role and your your market is is inward. And that's your point gives you um, it enables you to get, in my view, credible with the partners quicker because you can start to maybe bring insight they weren't necessarily um, aware on or reflect on it It reminds me of a story when we were um it was an insurance client and uh they wanted us to a pitch or something, and it was um, in, I can't, remember what it was, I can't remember exactly what it was for, but then an invitation came to um, go to fly over to Germany to meet um, the procurement team, category managers, they call themselves. And I responded, copying all of the partner, going, um, yeah, we're just going to hold fire as to whether we're going to come over, because I thought, what's the point in a partner spending the best part of their day, if not longer, for an hour meeting with procurement, we could probably do it over the, um, you know, in this environment, over the, uh, the phone. About half an hour later, I'll get a phone call from Ash going, what the bloody hell have you done in terms of this? This partner's being beer- all right. All I did was respond to an email and said, can we come back to you rather than we're going to do it? And the partner then responded going, well, of course, we're going to come over and this and that. going well, oh, to fine. Okay, cool. And then I remember sitting down in the, <laughs> in the planning meeting and the first thing he says to me, so what's a category manager? And I went, well, it's procurement. Why are we going to Germany to meet procurement? Well, <laughs> that's the reason I kind of put a hold in. And we could discuss it but now you committed to get on an airplane to then go and have this um, this meeting it was probably not going to be a good use of your um uh, of your time but interesting from that point onwards i then had the best relationship with that partner because yeah. he he understood where i fitted into the whole kind of client partner dynamic in terms of the 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 relationship so for me that's that that is thing you you've hit the nail on the head there and it's it it's it's good to hear that that that, that the firms are um, are promoting that because I think without that you can't really truly get under the skin of what's actually going on. To the most part, my experience is actually some of the clients were ha- happy to meet you in terms of uh, the non-lawyer inverted inverted commas and just have broad um, broader conversations. On on the second part, and I guess this kind of all goes into promoting your career around um, you investing in yourself. And this goes, I think, for any role, any type of career you're in and kind of reading books and wanting to learn what's out there. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I don't think much of that goes on. It's it's a brilliant thing that you've written this this book because I feel, I've experienced this myself, it's fundamentally why I move firms because of the frustration, is that you can just bumble along in your career in marketing, get paid handsomely, compared to other marketing roles outside of professional um, professional services. You do your job, you go home, happy days. Why, why do you? Why do you believe that that is, you know, in terms of the, the career path of kind of marketing, and BD in and professional services?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, when I reflect on like we look at family or people's careers as you're, you're growing up, it is that kind of culture, you know, you, you had nine to five role, when you've, when you finished the day job, log off, um, and, and, and that's it, you, you your mind might still be racing, but you finish. Mm-hmm. I think now the market is so competitive for roles and people are a lot more conscious of how they use their time outside yeah. of work. You know, um, if we take writing a book as an example, it's like now, you can literally do anything with your time outside yeah. of that day job. And if you put it, you know, if there's anything to invest in, um, that will actually pay dividends to to yourself in your lifestyle, and, and that is it's probably your career, you know. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes you can be very I think it comes back to comfort, you know, and yeah. and if the last 24 months have probably put everyone out of their, their comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Um and it gets people reflecting on what would work before is that right for me and I think one of the things before in people's career they only look at two things one is your salary yeah if anything changes or impacts that that it takes attention or one is your know, job title mm-hmm. now there's all sorts of things that should work like balance as your mental yeah. health it's the organization as a self um, so all those things play that factor into how you plan your career now and I think given that there's such a focus on talent and there's so much opportunity in the market. You know, there's recruiters that are looking for you know 30 odd roles, each of mm-hmm. them that I see on LinkedIn every day. Yeah. Um, and there's such a war on talent. And I think last year in the US, we've seen something, I interviewed quite a lot of CMOs, but there's something like 30 CMOs that were appointed into the position, which shows the growing importance of this. So now to get those opportunities and seize them, you need to be really strategic, you know, really purposeful as to how you plan your career. Because if you just do good work, um, it comes back to the stakeholder management point. I talk quite a lot, but imagine you know, in a remote world, you're the hardest worker in the possible. You put the most hours in. Um, you do everything that's asked you. No one knows you're doing it. They can't see your results and your output and those things. Then no one's going to actually consider you for promotion or to progress your career. So I think a lot of it comes back to is now you know, there's a lot of opportunity. You need to really make sure you're doing something that is in your best interest and that's you know, not just financially but actually what your well-being um like does it feel like a job or a career you know how do you know and, and you've probably found this when you've moved roles there always comes that point where you're like the work's no longer challenging yep. you're not advancing the firm is not the right fit going back to the culture thing you know if you're not being able to see or speak to clients um then there's a fundamental problem there you know you've done the marketing's done in an isolation yeah. um you know it, this is a difference between b2c is always that it's the one industry where you have no touch point with the client
0: yeah i mean and again we, we touched on what's happened over the last 24 months in terms of um i guess challenge a lot of the status as, as across all industries but I believe so, more so in legal, where it couldn't possibly be done this way, and you know now it can be done uh, this uh, this way. on um, I, I understand the the concerns that some partners I've spoken to have had of not having face time with their associates and so on and so forth. But um, I'm not going to get into that debate on uh, on this. And we we touched on this again, kind of in like I joke about having the, the green room in terms of. Um, you know calling it the the renaissance and you've already you know you, you've picked up on this in terms of what you've been talking about as around i feel or believe that the the industry that, that is that is marketing now needs to build on this this chance and this opportunity that's been given to kind of okay we've proven that we can do things differently we've pr- we've kind of shifted maybe the narrative or the perception of what marketing can do when marketing is allowed to do what it could do you know in you know in in crisis but in a uh, uh, in a different way so it's not ju- you're not just here to <laughs> jazz up the uh, the pitch doc or the the cred statements or the debates around whose photos on the thing or um uh or not but again you know if we think about so look, you know you touched on people changing career you touched on the fact there were 30 cmo cmo roles appointed um in the across the the us and you're right you know they they, they, they seem to be um the the recruitment consultants that we know every every day my i guess my not fear is that are we just in some cases because you you are unique in terms of the industry you've written a book you you've written it for others are we just playing musical chairs in some instances where you're just moving this the, the the same to the same they're just getting paid more money with the same job title, you're not really going to get that innovation, dare I say, that is required based on your earlier statement about, you know, you've had five clients asking you about, you know, the metaverse, you know, we're having lots of conversations about the metaverse with our clients. So I've taken it upon myself to invest in a piece of technology so that I can actually talk about it with some authority. (laughs) Because I've been there, and, and you just secretly money. wanted
1: a new headset, and you've just justified <laughs> to the wife this this, yes, this big uh, expense this month. Because yeah. I would have done the like exact same. Um, my expense is still waiting for approval <laughs> is on the family budget. But
0: you know, I I I, I genuinely don't see enough of that. T- and uh, um, okay let's be clear here i'm really passionate about this industry it's an industry that's enabled me to get to where where I've, I've got to so this isn't me calling anything out but if i reflect on my you know my journeys and my travels when one could travel around the world and the varying people and firms that i that i met certainly at the top i felt that there were some who didn't necessarily want to have the vision because they knew where they were in their in their career dare i say and everything was kind of working well therefore kind of why upset the the apple cars but you've now spoken to a number of cmos as part of your your research into the book you know hopefully you're going to tell me that i'm now wrong
1: no i think i think in part you know like anything there are going to be elements where change won't happen as you know as quickly as you want as well as cmos i did actually Ask the you know the target audience of ours is the senior partners. So I interviewed um senior partner Reed Smith, and I actually interviewed uh, Chris who's the senior partner I worked with at Slaughter and May, and he was yeah. you know he was fantastic. He just got everything that marketing was and how it can help mm-hmm. in brand and that stuff. So I think a lot has changed, and I think you know if I look at you know why why the role is going to change in the future and, and, and link it back to Mesiver. So if we take everything before the pandemic, I'm going to call that the the dark ages. You know, we are now in the renaissance period where we are rewriting what marketing is in professional service marketing. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and technology and I talked about that kind of customer experience. Mm-hmm. That is what is going to drive the change. And when I talked to a lot of CMOs, that was something that increasingly if you it's fine going into the C-suite and then saying we're going to be doing all these things and the marketing are going to be the growth officer for the firm. Yep. The challenge is for us to then stay in that space. It's going to be the results and how the data is coming out the event. end. So that's you know that's where we're going to have to be a lot more accountable. We want this limelight. We want this important. Yep. To stay there, we're going to have to actually follow through with what we're doing. We've got to say this marketing campaign or this activity, this mm-hmm. investment here has led to why and this is how we've directly linked it to the clients and somehow if we get that right then that will kind of validate that but i think just going back to technology and you know, what's changed when i started in the industry i did a placement year mm-hmm. at the la and my first three months was in the digital team now yeah. the digital team then there was only one digital assets that any firm had which was website yeah. you know if we look at how that's changed over 10-year periods as to what falls on a digital team, if a law firm has a digital team, ever since we do have one, yeah. um, and that means the different things. But I remember when I was there, I was I was 19 years old and I was the only one that had Facebook because I was at university. And, <laughs> and I remember DLA wanted to build a graduate microsite to target uh, young lawyers. They didn't understand Facebook. No one on the marketing team had Facebook because I, as I going back, I was the only 19-year-old and no one else that was under the age of 20 <laughs> had Facebook. Um, so, you know, that was kind of my entry into what digital could have. Mm-hmm. I remember we paid some fancy ad agency to build this microsite because they were the experts in that. Yeah. But I think that's going to leave a lot of room for consultants and that in the industry. But actually then I think what's really key is how many of us internally in our firms understand our digital marketing offering, but actually mm-hmm. what's happening outside of, you know, uh, our industry. Yeah. And I think the challenge is I can't sit here and say in firm X, the CMO is going to be on the board yeah, or in firm Y they are. I think whoever can really understand these elements and bring it to their role, And is the expert in the organization that their managing partner, the senior partner, has no idea about this Mm -hmm. as to how technology, in the same way, legal technology, there's someone on the board, a CTO or a CIO who understands that. If you become the expert in that room on growth, how technology will help us get closer to our clients and competitive edge, which is really key because we're in such a competitive market. Then I feel that that, that that will change in the future and they will have their place firmly at the table. Um, but there's, a, there's work to go. You know, it's, it'll come down to individuals, not, not a sweeping change.
0: It, it's really interesting here you speak, Dominic, because you're now starting to use language which I wouldn't associate with professional services or someone in your role using that language. So things like, um, you know, the growth officer. So that's you know, you're, you're looking that sort of narrative is what you typically see in SaaS tech, um, SaaS tech sales, and the fact that you are making reference to marketing needs to be more accountable. Based around data and then outcomes that whatever it is that you have done has has generated, and actually this this is a narrative which is is more broadly happening in in sales and marketing across uh, across all industries, but absolutely in the SaaS tech world is that this disconnect between sales, so BD slash in this case the lawyer, uh, and marketing that marketing typically doesn't really is not really accountable for revenue they worry about how, how many leads have you created how many your marketing qualified leads have been generated how many click-throughs vi- website visits all these kind of these big numbers which in isolation are kind of meaningless but to an uneducated board it's like okay that's that sounds big cool tick We've moved on back to your point around nobody understanding facebook and we're really starting to see this 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 narrative in this conversation uh, shift and it reflects on a, uh, a article I read back in twenty seventeen where the author, who's forgive me name, um, a lady, Doctor Doctor Maria Schaefer, I want to say, but she was citing um, a lady called Katrina Neal, who's at LinkedIn and now at Microsoft. Uh, she cited a tweet she said back then, and it was and again I paraphrase something to the effect around any marketer that says I think in front of a a data led executive may be asked to leave now. That was back in 2017. Here we are, global pandemic uh, in 2022. That is now starting to become a a really important topic is that across everything that we, we do, it's not just marketing, but we have so much data. It's how are we now using it to inform the next step in that campaign and that webinar in uh, that piece of thought leadership and whatever it might um, might be. Back to your point around you know it's going to talk to the customers and go, would you actually like this rather than doing it in a vacuum, or it's on the whim of a partner because they think it's a good idea because it's all about uh, it's all about them. And then the technology uh, the technology play. And I know I recommended you read Justin Michael's Tech Powered Sales because. Again, and this is not unique. Right, yes. This is <laughs> there. He is holding up to the screen. Um, this is not unique to professional services. Are we actually getting the best out of the tech stack? So this world, you know, marketing technology or BD technology. Do we truly understand what it could do for us before we blame the system, blame something else, or then buy a new system to sticking you know, to stick over the the existing system, whether you know where it could do or it could do. Do the, the the same, and that's what you know. Justin refers to as your technology quotient, your um, your TQ. Notwithstanding the rate at which the marketing technology landscape is evolving, yet law firms typically don't like to look outside of industry, even though they say they do. Because the first thing they say, "Oh, well, that's not a law firm," or they wait for someone else to make the first move. Before anybody else, there's you know then then moves it. So again, you know reflecting on you know you you writing the book and reflecting on talking to you know senior senior leaders, are, are you getting a sense that w- there's a shift in the sands around uh, around this in terms of wanting to learn more, needing to learn more?
1: Yeah, de- I mean definitely. I mean uh, I'm gonna if we're butchering quotes and who does what. There's a quote in my my book where it talks about you know not using data in your marketing is like driving with your eyes closed. Um, which I really like but at the same time going back to your point there is so much data you know we all have access to data I think you know this there's a challenge sometimes we have as marketers where we can be quite data led we can say yeah. oh we've done this campaign and it's led to this amount of engagement or it's it's contributed to this I think the challenge of that sometimes is that actually then that data could wrongly or rightly yeah. cause repeat you know patterns that mm-hmm. might not have the same results I think the data helps you, but there's certain points where your experience and your kind of knowledge and, and that can then kind of complement it. And that can say, actually, I think this happened because of this or that rather than saying, oh, that worked, we've got to just keep doing doing this again. Yeah. Um, I think going back to your other point around, do we feel we fully understand you know all the kind of MarTech out there? And when we do get what we have, do we actually use it? I think the biggest thing that always drives that is is culture. You know in the organization so you touched on uh law firms never want to be the first they always ask who else has done that before we've done it you know that's kind of a running joke and i think part of that is the competitive nature of the industry you know we are it is such a uh you know saturated market in that we look at what our peers are doing and then we respond to that and actually any of us in marketing should really be looking at other companies like you know, Accenture, Gartner, others what are they doing? How are they disrupting change? Because those organizations are probably that one step ahead of us in terms of you know, technology, um, you know, strategic thinking, client-centric experience. Um, so I think like that's really important. And I think um, you could have the best piece of MarTech if we take the most simple form, a CRM system. Yeah. If that's an isolated MarTech platform that doesn't connect to anything else you're doing, it becomes less relevant. At the same time you know if your stakeholders or customers are not using it you know good data in good data out Mm -hmm. it's just a standalone platform that has no relevance um so i think the key with this whole move is you know it needs to be a culture the culture and that comes from that that kind of strategy why are we doing this how will this tool enable us you know to do that strategy um and actually, how do we implement change? And actually, one of the people I've recently talked to, uh, ironically, you introduced me, even though he's at Evershed, is our uh, chief uh, transformation officer. Mm-hmm. And he talks about you know, how do you get change to happen at the same time? And he uses a really good um, story as the kind of, imagine a runway strip. Mm-hmm. And you've got all these MarTech projects or all these kind of firm-wide initiatives. Problem is in our firms. We all try to land them at the same time on the same platform, yeah. and how do you? The problem with that is then our partners and our stakeholders get so confused as to what they should be doing. Why do they should be following this? What's in the best interest? And sometimes, even when we look at our marketing campaign planning in law firms. Sometimes there's so many different campaigns. The difference with B two C, and I talked to a lot of people that read the book. You only have one campaign sometimes it's one product which is the campaign for the next 12 months yeah um in a law firm going back to that partner point i I could have a hundred different partners that are my product or campaign for the next 12 months um and we're trying to land it all on the same platform over the same period so um there's a few points there i think you know in terms of martech we should be more openly learning what's around us you know and i talk about that kind of that big picture thinking looking outside of our industry there's all brands you know i'm a marketer so i'm a geek for tv ads copy um podcast radio well i love i love like good adverts that kind of Mm -hmm. i'm like i'd buy that you know that came across really well or actually that was just really cool um or that for leadership report how they did that was Mm -hmm. just a bit different yeah, you know, it cut through all the noise on my LinkedIn channel. I actually read that, um, so I think you know those things are really fascinating. But there'll be others that won't pay attention to that, and they won't. They'll just keep doing what they're doing um, and that stuff. So yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot there to be learned. And as you say. Your book recommendations definitely give me a lot of lot of thoughts so maybe you can take some credit from that terminology <laughs> you're,
0: you're you're always too generous dominic with uh, my influence i feel with my influence or, uh, or or your guidance in terms of what what you've done you've written the book and not uh, not me
1: i did um, write it alone though i mean um like i said i i am the target audience for this book when i started you know mm-hmm. 10 years ago um i think back you know i wrote the book as to what i would tell myself in a time machine yeah. But then actually I've only taken my career so far and what I wanted to do was you know, from Mexico to Asia to the US is seek out people. And I asked everyone, I said, who do you admire? Who do you think is good? Um, so, you know, if you're flattered, it was like at least three people I spoke to said you speak to Alex and get his thoughts on this. So I think that what was really clear is everyone does certain things really well. Yeah. Everyone has a different perspective. And I think like if there's one thing in that proactive career management you should do is connect with someone outside of your firm in a different industry. And I'm quite lucky, so I did a marketing degree. So most of my friends are doing far more fun industry stuff, like at McDonald's, <laughs> football clubs, very jealous, um, and other industries. But in doing so, I listen to them and they tell me what they're doing. Sometimes i are like, that sounds so boring. You're just doing this one ad campaign, or you know. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes, like. Some of the things they do is really client-centric, and there's a lot to be learned. So I think just broadening your ex you know, perspective on those things is really fascinating. And it's more, you know, I always have like a notepad uh, on my phone where I just like jot ideas down when I talk to people, and uh, I think that's a really good way to just continuously learn.
0: I think you've raised some um, some great points there. I think the what was coming through was around, um, you know, kind of the stakeholder management, the the, the ability to influence internally, uh, the fact that this is a, it's a it's a shift in culture and culture change. We know that's hard, especially in law firms where lawyers are more on the eye rather than the E on the Myers Briggs side of things. So they're, they're they're cautious purely by by the nature of kind of who they are and what they do for their clients. They have to be, um, they they have to be right. But I think again what you you, you're picking up on that that point there around diversity of thought and that and this is kind of what justin touches on within you know within uh, his book is that maybe get a mix of people but you know, again, reflecting. Get if you're interested in data, get really good at get really good at data and marketing data right. Just be the expert in marketing data. I think you're raising it at the point. Uh, you know, then you can get that kind of seat at the board, irrespective of how senior you are, because you are the go-to person in terms of you understand it. Then surround yourself. Then get somebody who's brilliant at copy. Then get somebody who's you know brilliant at graphic design, uh, maybe or video or all that that style of content. And then you create almost this kind of this 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 team. Back to your earlier point around working as a team. Um, that can work as kind of one unit if you if you will to create the best of or something then also in terms of that authority back to um the partner again i reflect on my early days at pwc working with young young tax professionals who would be fearful of like just knocking on a partner's glass door and walking in I said what are two things that can happen they're going to tell you to piss off and come back or they're going to have a five-minute chat with you at the end of the day they are just people like you and me don't kind of freak out that just because they're a partner they're this amazing kind of uh, they're amazing being and again that I feel the pandemic has kind of leveled that playing field a lot in terms of you know seeing behind the veneer that is the um the the, the corporate suit but i wholeheartedly you know uh, agree with you and fully support that kind of diversity of thought if you're interested in something get out there and just learn more about it connect with people outside of your industry and the good thing about marketing is most of the marketers are happy to connect with you and talk to you and share ideas because we're all living the same pain in in some there are form. some
1: scars you know the book the, <laughs> the book surface you know like um i mean what was really interesting. Another trend I took away from is um, the whole reason I wrote the book. Also, was um, one of the things I looked at my own career last year, and I had in my New Year's goals. This is good timing if anyone's thinking about this. Is how many people actually know you outside of your organization? And what I mean by that is, like, so we tell our partners all the time that I'm an expert in marketing. How many articles have you written on marketing? You know, and I was like, God, I'm a bit like I feel a bit like a phony. I did at the start. I was like, I've never wrote an article on what I do, and you know, all, I tell my, my partners all the time to write articles in the press and, and kind of all this thought leadership. I was like, I've not wrote yeah. one article. So I sat at the start of the I was like, okay, I'm going to go on one podcast, I'm going to speak at one keynote and I'm going to speak on a podcast. Ironically, my keynote was in the Metaverse. It was on a platform called Favela, where I was an Avatar. So uh, that was pretty cool. But um yeah, so I think like, you know, I was like, well, that adds credibility because I had a lot of partners going like, I read your article. That's pretty good stuff. I was like, I tell you this all the time. Yeah. You've only just do listened to, to me because you read our LinkedIn. So I was like, that was really good. But um, I think you know that's something that I found from the book is that actually when I wrote out to a lot of people and there was a lot of CMOs I came across, I was like, I had, they've not posted anything on LinkedIn. They're almost like kind mm-hmm. of, secret agents there's no digital footprint to them but then when you got you know you got the nail down like why you write a book why have you not yeah. wrote the book or why have you not been on more podcasts and yeah. i guess it's time and stuff when that kind of you know busy day jobs last thing you got to do is is write an article but actually if everyone wrote an article there'd be so much more of a community yeah. like the legal tech sector which i'm very jealous of as we've talked about before um And there'll be people like me when i started 10 years ago who was like desperately searching to read everything and kind of consume everything and um i always like to like know everything and and deep dive before my my partners get annoyed i ask so many questions but i think that curiosity mind is really good but yeah going back if there's one thing you could do this year is think about what you're good at whether it's you know something digitally focused it could be client-centric it could be your best copywriter write something for the community, you know, on a platform, go on a podcast um, and build your brand. And I think like that's a really, you know, really important thing um, because it goes back to your point, the seat at the table. If you can create something of value and that's all it is, you know, with the, the senior partners, the, you know, they want something of value. They want something that's everlasting. It's not just in the moment marketing. It's like a program. It's an innovative idea. It's something that you can bring that will add an edge and I think anyone, you know, those that I see successful in their careers are those that create something that outlasts them. Whether they move to another firm or they create a piece of content and it then becomes the same thing we do for 10 years. Um, you know, that's really important. It comes back to value, you know, and, and kind of really think about what big things are going to move the dial in my firm. Um, that's the same with your career. And that's also you know, what the book talks about. How do you think about where you are? And there'll be stuff in the book that people read and they're like, I'm doing this already. But they'll you know, it's something that if you've got a specific problem, you know, a setback in your career, there's a chapter on resilience. If you're planning your appraisal, there's a chapter on that. It was a bit around how do you write articles for press i talk a bit about how you could build your brand there so i thought through all my scars and i've spoke to loads of people like yourself included as to whatever people have gone through so hopefully a lot of people will not have to go through as many hard lessons as we have you know
0: <laughs> and i think that's a that's a brilliant place to uh to to bring this to to a close and i wholeheartedly agree with you in any career, any role, start getting out there and building your brand. Start becoming famous. Start becoming famous in inverted commas. We're not talking about becoming an influencer or influencer marketing. That's the kind of the byproduct of it. If you're on what?
1: YouTube, my daughters think you're famous. I remember when I did that first podcast, my kids were on YouTube, they were, one morning. And they were watching, like, kids' slime. And then they see my face pop up. They're like, Dad, you're famous. You're on YouTube. <laughs> That's uh, well, is hilarious. And then my daughter's like, you've wrote a book. It's just like, what's it about? Is there any princesses or unicorns? that are like, no, nah, you're not going to read this book anytime soon.
0: <laughs> well, princesses and yeah. unicorns, maybe. Um, and you're going to be famous now on on, on this YouTube channel. Today, I'm
1: <laughs> famous, so that's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but Dominic, it's been an absolute uh, absolute pleasure to have you on, and again, absolutely, you know, chapeau to you in terms of writing the the book that is no mean feat uh where can people find you if they want to connect with you after listening to this or reading you know want to learn more about the book where's the best place for them to uh, to connect
1: sure so um i'm on linkedin and uh, on twitter as well and the book is going to be on amazon it's launching next monday so uh, uh or it's launching the 24th of january uh depending on when you're listening to this uh, <laughs>
0: Perfect. I will put the links uh, down below in terms of if you're watching and in, in the body of the uh, the podcast. So if you, you have listened to this, uh, please do mention this podcast. i reaching out to uh, to Dominic. If you read the book, again, please do mention that to Dominic. Go and buy the book. It's a very good read. Talk about the book online in your community because I think this topic of conversation is really, really point. As Dominic has said, we've come out of the Dark Ages and now we're moving into the Renaissance and the, uh, and, and the light that is uh, upon us. Um, Dominic, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on the uh, guest on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Alex. Always a pleasure. Uh, I really enjoy our chat, so I appreciate it. We probably could have uh, touched on some of your subjects for about five hours and that. <laughs> Indeed.
0: And as always, to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to be on this podcast, you know what to do. If you want to recommend anybody to this podcast, you know what to do. You know where to find me. But um, for now, thank you from me and thank you from Dominic.
1: Thank you.